Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Balance Boss Podcast. I am your host, Lauren Zoller, and today's guest is Valerie Genghis. Valerie is a transformational speaker, life coach, and author of Enlightenment is Sexy, Every Woman's Guide to a Magical Life. She specializes in helping people make radical shifts in their self-perception to gain a deeper understanding of who they are. Valerie received her bachelor's degree in theology and women's studies from DePaul University and earned her master's degree in transpersonal psychology and certification in leadership and life coaching at Sophia University in Palo Alto. The David Lynch Foundation hires Valerie to give talks about the benefits of meditation and developing consciousness within corporations. She eventually began working directly with Oprah Winfrey and her staff at Harpo Studios, and for two years, she talked to groups of Oprah's staff members about meditation and consciousness. Today, Valerie lives in San Francisco, where she is a transformational life coach to clients across the nation. Valerie sums up her philosophy for optimal living. Once you're regularly tuning into your soul's voice through daily meditation, prayer, nature walks, whatever works for you, follow the signs, embrace the mystery, and trust the universe. Valerie will be speaking all about how to process death and grief, a very deep subject today. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Welcome to the Balanced Boss Podcast, where we discuss how to live abundantly in all areas of your life. Here is your host and work-life balance coach, Lauren Zola. Valerie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Yeah, so excited to have you here. So we always begin the Balance Boss podcast with an intention setting. So I'm going to put that in your hands today. Can you set an intention for how you want the listeners to feel throughout the podcast and or what you want them to take away after the podcast is complete? Um, I think I would like them to feel like anything is possible because I've experienced a lot of miracles in my life. So I think that is the feeling I would like to leave everybody with. Um, anything really is possible. I love that. And I know that we're going to be talking about some heavy stuff today. So that's a nice light way to start the conversation. Can you tell us a little bit though, before we start to dive into that, can you talk about you and your story and how you became a, a transformational speaker and a coach and what led you to this space of inspiring others? Sure. Um, so as far back as I can remember, I was always really interested in spirituality and motivational speakers and um, just anything that like married the two together. I just, I liked it. It was, um, it inspired me, but I never could figure out how I could make the leap and do all those things. I have a restaurant and bar background. That's what my family did. And so I always worked with my dad. I just assumed I'd you know, open a bunch of restaurants or maybe open some hotels. It was just a natural progression of my career. But in the back of my mind, um, and secretly, I wanted to be speaking to people and influencing people and inspiring people. Um, Around, let's see, I was about 20 years old, and my mom was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And she was my best friend. I mean, I know everybody loves their mom, but I really, she was like my everything. She was like my guru, my best friend and my mom. So when she got diagnosed, um, I started having a ton of anxiety and not being able to sleep, working crazy hours and trying to constantly lift her up and support her, go to all of her doctor's appointments with her. And 
um, help her just stay ahead of this. I was always worried she was going to die. And then that day came where she actually did pass away after a very long, horrible battle. And I completely fell apart. It was game over for me. I became suicidal. It wasn't working, wasn't functioning. Um, the only thing I could think about was that I needed to kill myself. It was, it was a disaster. I, I really did hit rock bottom. And I didn't see that coming because I was always, you know, happy. Uh, had anxiety about my mom being sick. But other than that, I was a very highly functional human being. So that was in January of 2011. And about five months later, through a series of events, um, I ended up learning Transcendental Meditation. I had never heard about TM, they call it for short. I never thought about meditating. I wasn't into yoga or anything like that. So uh, when it was suggested that I learn to meditate so I could get some sleep, because the sleeping disorder now had spun out of control. I said, okay, you know, I'll try it. Like I have nothing to lose. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm going to jump off a bridge. So what's the difference? I might as well just, yeah. you know, I had nothing to lose. So I, with, with transcendental meditation, you're taught by a teacher that's, it takes four days. It's about an hour and a half each day. And so there's like a series of events that take place, but day one, you know how to meditate. It's a mantra-based meditation. They give you a mantra and you go in and you are able to do this because people usually feel like I can't meditate. You know, I can't quiet your mind, but you can, especially with this form of meditation. So the first time I meditated, I closed my eyes and I felt such a deep sense of peace. It was beyond anything I had ever experienced in my life. And... Mm -hmm. When I opened my eyes 20 minutes later, the entire world was different. It was like I, I woke up in Disney World and I was not depressed. I was absolutely like blissed out, felt like what just happened here? You know, I, I felt so happy. Everything looked and felt colorful and holy in a way. And uh, two weeks later, I was standing in front of Oprah giving my first talk with zero fear. Um, I felt like I had inspired her. I felt very confident and I thought, oh my God, I have a brand new life. And I did. That's amazing. Such was, a beautiful it was, story. It was a miracle. I mean, it was an absolute miracle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the beauty of meditation, right? I mean, and it, to me, you hear stories like this and they never, they never get old, but every story surrounding meditation to a certain degree is the same way, right? When you really tap into that, it's like when you need it the most, it finds you. It absolutely found me. That's right. And I also felt like I had completely surrendered before learning to meditate. I, there was, it was as though I died when my mom died. I don't know how mm. else to describe it. So really there was nothing left of me. So I wasn't overthinking this process or, you know, wondering, well, what is this and what's going to happen? None of those thoughts. I just went in there just to learn, didn't care what was going to happen. And what I got back was, I mean, it was unbelievable. Changed my life. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, I know that we're going to talk pretty in depth about death today and talking about how to cope and heal with death and why it's so important that we grieve. And so I want 
to really ask you that question because I know that you had the you've spoken about the moment where you found meditation. Meditation really pulled you out. When it did, when it did give you that sense of hope, was there a grieving process that happened after you found meditation? Did the grieving happen before? Because I think that so often we as humans shy away from grief, especially when something happens traumatic like that. I mean, I had a dear friend that just lost her mother a few weeks ago and it's, it's that balancing act from how do I move on with life and continue to show up for the people I need to show up for, but also grieve this immense loss that has you know, come upon me out of nowhere. What are your thoughts on grieving and really feeling and working through grief? Well, for me, that first major death, I had lost grandparents before, but this was different. Like I had lost everything when she died. I could not pull myself out of the grief. I was going to a therapist three days a week. I kept mm-hmm. saying to him, like, I feel like I need to be in a hospital. Like I'm, I'm very scared. I'm going to kill myself. So this was an extreme form of grief, but looking back on it now, I can see that that death broke me open. It, it wasn't, it was a death for me personally, but I then entered into a new life. And once I saw that, once I had this, you know, expanded consciousness that came over me when I learned to meditate, then I could see why this happened. I could see that there was a master plan at play. And so that helped me a lot with grief because it was like, okay, this happened for a reason. I'm moving into this new life. Now I continued to go to therapy just because I saw it as an opportunity to work through all the different trauma and stuff that I had experienced in my life, like we all experience. Mm-hmm. But the grief itself, um, it would come a little bit in waves, but a lot of it was um, turned into a sense of wanting to help others, wanting to uh meet other people and talk to them about their grief and be able to help them. It became like service was more important to me than just sitting there thinking about what happened over and over again. It it overrode the pain. Mm. So really it was being able to kind of find what the lesson was in all of it. The lesson. And also I started having experiences um, that I felt like gave me insight into death. Part of the problem when my mom died is um, I didn't know where she was. I I didn't really understand death. Like what happens to you? You know, where, where is she? I had this idea in my mind that she was like lost in space somewhere and I needed to find her. And so once I started to understand death a little bit more um, and I, I had, I had direct experiences that allowed me to understand that, no, you're not, it's not over. There's a continuation of life. Your, your consciousness continues. And once I knew that, I looked at death very differently. And since my mom has passed away, I've had eight other major deaths in my family, including my brother just passed away last year. And I'm a totally different person now dealing with death because I feel like I have a better understanding of it. And um, it, it doesn't, break me like it did before. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you feel like someone needs to start when it comes to, to grieving death? Because I think that there are so many people who, and they're, they're, it's different for everyone, right? Like, I don't know. If Absolutely. 
I don't know if there's a timeline that we are supposed to follow. It's supposed to happen when it's supposed to happen, but where does someone start when they are, I mean, I guess maybe, can you talk people through suddenly losing someone and then how you kind of know when it's time to move forward? I mean, is there some sort of timeline that people are supposed to follow when it comes to grieving? Absolutely not. You know, it's so personal and I got lucky in this situation, but this could have gone on for years and years and years. So I always tell people, go to a therapist, you know, talk to a professional. If you need to go multiple times a week, do that. And if you need to get on a little medication just to make it through, then do it. Mm -hmm. Whatever you need to do to survive, because the pain, it's unbearable. And to just sit there in that pain and isolate yourself and not talk to anybody, it's, I think it just prolongs it. You're, you're never going to be the same and you have to accept that. It's, that's the old, your old life is over when you lose someone that you love that much, but it goes in another direction. And it's, that's also a good thing in a way. It's kind of an opportunity for growth and, um, to change lanes, but the pain can be unbearable and, and dangerous. So you have to get help. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, but really, I mean, when it's, it's just so hard for me to think, uh, obviously I'm, I'm, my mother's my best friend too. And when my best friend lost her mother a few weeks ago, it was so hard for me to find the words to be able to say, this is what you're supposed to do. I think so many people, when someone loses someone, search for the right words to say. And really when it comes to death and grieving and moving forward, there are, there are no rights and there are no wrongs, I think. And that's where I think it gets to be so muddled. So do you feel like your meditation practice is something that you would have been open to right after the loss of your mother? Or do you feel like it's something, I mean, is that something that someone can try if they've recently lost someone? Or do you feel as though it's something that someone has to find on their own? Um, I mean, because of how it impacted my life, I would say it's, it's going to help you, but you have to make that decision. And that's just one tool. That's one thing that helped me. Again, I always tell people, go to therapy, get help. And yeah, if you have some sort of meditation practice, I think that will help calm down your nervous system, give you some peace in the middle of a nightmare. And as far as the people around you, you know, if you can just love your friend and be there for her and, you know, bring her over some dinner and have a glass of wine with her, or just, just be there. There's nothing you really can say. You can just love her. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, part of it, I think too, with death is so much is just showing up. It all comes out. If you, you, you look at your life and you're like, who am I? Who am I without this person now? Mm-hmm. You know, life is not the same. And, and you change so much as a person because you have experienced something that um, not everyone experiences, especially at a young age. Right. And eventually that will be a good thing. I don't feel like there's any accidents in this world and it does help you grow. And for me, it really motivated me to help other people. For sure. So this, so the Balance Best podcast, most of the people that listen to the show are 
in the corporate space and or they're entrepreneurs. And I think that there's this misconception in life in general, but especially when it comes to death, that if you take time to grieve or if you take time away when something traumatic hits, that it's going to negatively affect your business. And so I have a lot of clients that I see personally in my coaching practice who have gone through tremendous loss or gone through some sort of trauma um, who decide that they're just going to compartmentalize death and compartmentalize grief and not allow themselves to truly feel all of the feelings that go along with it in order to bulldoze work and to continue to move through the pain and not feel the pain. Can you speak a little to what, why this is detrimental? Um, Because I think, and I'm really interested to hear your take on this because I, I believe it's, there is definitely a time and a place to show up and work through something. But if you do it over and over and over again, it's going to have negative effects. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's definitely going to have some sort of effect on you if you don't ever deal with it. It's going to show up in other areas of your life. And some people, they need to go back to work and just the pain is so intense, they can't sit in it. That's why like bringing in a professional to help you slowly chip away at this, I think Mm -hmm. is one of the best routes because you could have a nervous breakdown. I mean, I basically did. So I know some people, you know, use work as a way to just try and ride out the storm. Other people, you know, drink too much or do they do whatever they need to do to get through it. But eventually you're going to have to look at yourself because if you don't, it's going to show up, you know, as anger, prolonged sadness. You could even just have this like dead feeling inside yourself because it's just too much. It's got to come out. Right. For sure. So this show is all about finding ways to balance work with life. Um, The reason that I started the Balance Boss podcast is because I wanted people to understand that there was more to life than work. (laughs) And really your work should support the life that you want to live. So I'm interested in knowing what, because you are in the space of coaching and and transforming and inspiring other people, what are your non-negotiables when it comes to balancing your work life with your home life? I have to sleep. If I don't sleep, I'm, I'm not good for anyone. So that is like number one. I actually used to be a night owl. So I would stay up till, you know, three, four in the morning. And that was also part of the business that I was in. Cause I wouldn't get off of work, um, running a restaurant till sometimes one o'clock in the morning. And after all of this happened to me, I realized like, that is not good for me. And I cannot function the next day if, uh, if my sleep is all screwed up and I could finally sleep. So now I don't take it for granted. I go to bed early. I make sure I get eight or nine hours of sleep and you know, I'm good to go every morning. I, I, I feel uh, so grateful that I can actually sleep through the night every night that I just, it's an important part of my life. And I like taking naps. I'm not going to lie. Little cat <laughs> nap in the middle of the afternoon. It just, Sleep to me is just very, very important. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any other like daily self-care practices that you follow that are, you know, it happens every single day? Do you have a morning routine or anything that you kind of do without question on a day-to-day basis? I meditate every day without question. And because I meditate, I feel like I can handle anything that comes my way, big or small, 
it doesn't seem to affect me. Uh, when I have challenges, I see them as opportunities to, to grow. It doesn't, it doesn't like hit my nervous system or hit my mind and um, throw me off my game. I feel like because I meditate every day, I'm in the flow and that flow carries me through my life and my work life and it makes everything smooth. So without question, you know, I meditate in the morning and I meditate at night. It's easy. It's 20 minutes twice a day. And for the rest of the day, I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah. Do you feel like if someone's starting a meditation practice that they should start with 20 minutes? Um, that's just how I was taught with TM. It's 20 minutes twice a day. So, uh, that's what I've been doing from the beginning. Now I, I went and was trained, uh, to be able to do a, a longer meditation to meditate up to three hours a day if I want. But for me, it was too much. It was having negative effects for me. So I just stick to 20 minutes twice a day. You know, every once in a while, I'll miss my night meditation or something, but it's no big deal. But I try and stick to that routine. Wake up in the morning, you know, take a shower, brush my teeth, meditate for 20 minutes and just start my day. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a huge believer in meditation. I too have a very strong meditation practice and it's incredible how much it can change your life when you start to adopt it. Yeah. And what you can handle and how creative you can be. It's things that come to me while I'm meditating. It's, uh, it's extraordinary. I mean, I feel like I wrote my first book because of all the information that was coming to me through my meditation project uh, practice. And that is magic to me. Yeah, it absolutely is. I went and I, I give this homework to clients all the time when they're stuck. I'm like, you just need to get still. You just need to take time. You need to meditate more often or meditate longer. If you're stuck and you can't find answers, you need to sit longer. I am with you. I mean, when I, so after I learned to meditate and then I started uh, working with the David Lynch foundation and I was speaking, you know, three, four times a week, coaching people, all of a sudden I had this brand new life and that went on for two years and I loved it. I knew like, this is it for me, but then I decided to write a book. And I knew that I needed to get rid of as many distractions as humanly possible for me. Like I wanted to do this right. And I wanted to be in the right space to be able to write a fantastic book. And I was living in Chicago and I was living in the middle of the city and I had so much going on. And I thought, you know what? I need silence. Silence is my friend and partner in this. So I sold all my stuff. I rented out my condo and I moved out in the middle of the country in Iowa. And it was that silence, that stillness that allowed me to sit down and write a book that I'm really proud of. So I know the power of silence. It's so real. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, and that leads me into my next question for you, Valerie, is what do you have coming up next for you? I know that you have a book. So can you speak a little bit to your book? And then can you talk about what you have coming up next and, and where people can find you? Sure. Um, so my first book was called Enlightenment is Sexy. And you can find that on Amazon. Um, I'm working on my second book. It will be out probably, I'm thinking, the spring of 2021. And I'm coaching still. Uh, I'm creating a course that should be out next month. And that's about it for now. You can find me on my website. It's just my name, ValerieGangus.com. Awesome. Valerie, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know that there were a ton of 
tidbits of information that people can apply to their life to help with coping with grief and coping with loss, um, which is so valuable. So thank you so much. And hopefully I'll have you on the show again soon. Thanks. Thanks, Lauren. It was wonderful. Yeah. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks.